Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, it's time for another M. Night Shyamalan film. I'm so excited to be talking about this one. We are talking about Knock at the Cabin, his latest film, which is in theaters right now and you should definitely go see. Uh, It's fantastic and uh, I had a great time with it. And joining me to talk about it is Manish from It Pod to Be You. And I'm happy to have Manish back on the show, and uh, we have a great conversation. Lots of great puzzle pieces on this one, so that is coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And uh, don't forget, we have a live show coming up. On Thursday, February 23rd, I'm going to keep talking about it on every episode until we get there. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Cocaine Bear at Maya Cinemas here in Las Vegas. North Las Vegas, actually. And uh, yeah, it's Thursday, February 23rd, 7 p.m. The movie starts right at 7, and then we will be talking about the film with Jason Harris from Awesome Movie Year, as well as Luella Chavez and Michael Keane. We've got a great lineup there. Lots of fun people who... uh, going to help me piece together this insane movie about a bear that's on cocaine so come on out if you're in las vegas we hope to see you there you can win tickets uh check the show notes there's a link or just go to the website uh there's a link right there on the front page piecingpod.com uh or buy a ticket too uh that's great and uh come see the movie with us and listen to us talk about it so with that said let's talk about knock at the cabin All right, it's time for another M. Night Shyamalan film. I'm always excited to talk about M. Night. And joining me today is Manish from It Pod to Be You. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am awesome. I am uh, excited to talk about this one. It's been uh, a bit of a, I don't know, hot button topic on the Twitters and all that stuff. Oh, like yeah. Everybody's got <laughs> wildly different takes on this yeah. thing. So. That's one of the great things about M. Night is, you know, if anything, he inspires conversation and I think that's all he really wants. You know, I, I feel like in several interviews I've heard him say, like, I don't care if you like the movie or not. I just want you to see it and talk about it. So. I'm sure he's happy with whatever is going on. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's always been somebody who, uh, I, 
you know, it's always been like caught up on the whole twist thing, but I think it's more about getting people talking and yeah. like that's, that's always been the goal. And that has always been the case too, with all of his movies, even the ones that aren't as celebrated, but it, it's nice to see these last few have been, um, you know, he's, he's definitely back on, uh, the more positive side critically and, you know, audiences in general. And, uh, I'm, I'm right there. I, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. We'll get into, uh, you know, all our thoughts on this along the way. Um, but I don't know, you know, before we get into puzzle pieces, um, I, I figure we might as well bring this up quickly before we get into it. Had you read the book? Did, were you familiar with the book? No, I hadn't read the book. Um, I don't think I even heard of it until, uh, this movie was, uh, in production. Um, uh, I'd like to read the book. Actually, I'm more into audiobook these days, but I'd mm. like to listen to someone else read the book to me. Sure. Um, because it sounds re- it sounds really interesting, and um, much like with his previous movie, Old, I feel like he he took a concept that he really spoke to him and really did his own thing with it, um, which I, I appreciate. Because I don't know, for me, when it comes to book to movie adaptations, I like it when directors really make it their own and. Sure. kind of remorph the 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 piece into something that that they that speaks to them um and from what i've heard i, I think he came across the story first as a screenplay um and then read the book after kind of signing on to produce it and then direct it so right yeah so um how about you have you read it or do you know anything about it I, I'm an idiot when it comes to books. I haven't read it. I haven't read many books, uh, but, but yeah, I, I did read up though on like some of the changes and everything. And, yeah, and, yeah. uh, it, it sounds like a really interesting take on the material, but like you said, like, like with old, I feel like he just saw this world that would be a really fun kind of playground to set some characters loose in and like, you know, just kind of take the basics and, yeah. uh, do his own thing with it. And and I think that, yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, that you want to see the filmmakers still make their film. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not here for the adaptation of the cabin at the end of the world. I'm here for the new M night Shyamalan film. Right, and right. so that, that's, that's what we want to see out of the movie. And I feel like that's what we got out of the movie, but yeah, with that said, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece? Um, I mean, I think the first one I thought of was uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the, you know, the idea of a family um, going on vacation and then their house being invaded by four people, um, two men and two women. Yeah. Um, and I know the similarities kind of stop there, but just that sort of the there's a shot of the four of them kind of standing in the uh, like living room of the cabin. And that really reminded me of us, you know, with the four um, untethered people just kind of standing there and you're just kind of like, what are they going to say? You yeah, know? sure. <laughs> and like um, having not really heard much about the story of Knock at the Cabin, I was like, I really have no idea like what, I don't think I even saw the trailer. Um, and so I think I was just kind of like, I have no uh like what are they gonna like i knew it was something about like end of the world just because i knew from like like i think like i read half a review or something um mm. and of course i knew that that was the original title of the book um but i was like i just don't like you know what what's going to be happening here so sure to me that's my first um first thing that came to mind 
No, that's good. And yeah, I think like as far as it being like a home invasion movie, like these are both movies where, yeah, that's the setup, but then it's about something completely different. And yeah. like I, the trailer is like, I, I don't know how you escaped the trailer for Knock at the Cabin because I saw that thing like a thousand times in the last couple of months. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the trailer definitely sets it up as like just a straight up home invasion movie. Although, you know, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. There's going to be something else going on. But uh, kind of the same thing for us. Like the trailer set it up as just a new home invasion thriller. And then there's so much more going on there with the tethered and all this, you know, all this other stuff that that movie gets into. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to take that kind of subgenre and just kind of add on a whole lot of other things to it and kind of redirect in a way, but, but not exactly, but, um, yeah, no, it's a good puzzle piece to, uh, to kick it off with. I like that. And, uh, they're also filmmakers that I feel like there could be a lot of comparisons between really. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I'll go with my first piece and that is going to be Darren Aronofsky's Noah, mm-hmm. um, which is another movie that takes, um, a story that's, biblical in nature uh that one's specifically a bible story um and and states it as pure fact and uh no matter how horrible the events are in it uh and like the awful human toll that you know god's work is going to uh you know create um everybody has to kind of take it seriously and it's going to happen and you know obviously we get into spoilers on the show so uh everybody listening should know already that we're going to be talking spoilers in this conversation but um as it turns out these uh you know religious weirdos uh you know it it really is happening and it's kind of maybe a change from the book from what i've heard uh, a yeah. little bit of a change but i i think that that is part of what he wanted to explore he wanted to explore a, a world in which some you know, people believe in something and they don't like that it's happening, but it's happening one way or another. And then they have to deal with it. The people that they have found in this cabin have to deal with it. And everybody's stuck in this weird, horrible situation that, uh, you know, God or whoever has put in play. Right. Yeah. No, that's a really great connection. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I thought of Mother as well from Anoski, uh-huh. just sort of like very biblical and like kind of bringing in like, you know, I don't, I don't, characters, I don't, that feels insensitive to call them characters from the Bible, but like putting them in the real <laughs> world, like with the, um, kind of with the reveal that they're, the, uh, Leonard and his little group are, um, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. To me, that's kind of like reminding, like Kristen Wiig being like the herald in, sure, uh, in Mother and Michelle Pfeiffer being like Eve and stuff like that, sort of like translating that and putting into yeah. like modern times. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many like parallels in, in Mother to the Bible. And, and yeah, yeah, I was thinking about it too. It was on my possible list of pieces here. Right, I always yeah. bring up Mother though. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it could definitely uh, uh, come into play here. And, you know, again, to those like some of the people who are kind of on the uh, knock at the cabin is a bad movie side of things. Like they're kind of like, it, it's really weird. They're taking like this, oh, the religious weirdos are right as like, okay, so this is a pro-religious cult movie. And I'm just like, how can you read it that way? It's, it's a really weird thing. Well, I mean, you know, it's like you're just not paying attention to M. Night Shyamalan's career. That's your takeaway. Because yeah. I feel like he's exploring... Um, I, I feel like he explores faith and spirituality and belief, but, like, 
separated from any kind of nominal religion. Like it's just the mm-hmm. idea that like the concept of faith. So um, I feel like, you know, this is sort of the continuation of his movies like Signs and The Happening even. Um, and I think even with, um, you know, with the his Unbreakable trilogy, it's all this idea of like following these beliefs through their natural connection. And I mean, I had my doubts in this movie about like whether it's going to end with some kind of apocalyptic, you know, scenario. I was like, these could also just be, you know, fanatics who found each other and like had this like shared delusion and, you know, enabled and fed each other's delusions. Um, Sure. But, and I was like, that doesn't feel like I'm a Shyamalan, you know, I don't think he would do that. Uh, And he didn't. Um, Yeah. So I don't, I, I've, I've been reading a lot of bad faith takes on this movie, especially from yeah. some uh, LGBTQ writers who I think aren't as familiar with M. Night Shyamalan as they are claiming to be, um, right. and kind of what he does. But yeah, I don't know. It's, to me, I feel like his movies are, um, they're kind of like fables, morality plays. They're kind of just like, they're more so about the themes and the concept versus like literal what happens you know, ABC right. plotting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, also with uh, the whole idea of adapting the book, you know, I think that these are just stories to play in and to explore yeah. ideas. in. he's not saying this is right. This is wrong. He's just making a genre movie within, yeah. you know, these kinds of characters and settings. I mean, so. he's a showman, so he's going to yeah. show us stuff, you know, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> like, I, he does, from what I've heard, the book is a little bit more ambiguous and I, to me, that just doesn't feel like an Edmund Shyamalan, uh, you know, movie to have sort yeah. of a more ambiguous ending. Like for that. sure. Well, what do you got for your next piece? Um, sort of this, this idea, like, as I mentioned, this movie is, you know, centered around a, a queer couple and they're sort of tasked with saving the world. Um, and that really reminded me of this movie um, Pride from 2014. It's a, uh, I believe it's a, it's a British film. Uh, it's it's sort of a true life story about this LGBTQ activist group in the 1980s who kind of worked together to support the miners' strike um, in I think it's England or Ireland. <laughs> Sorry, I okay. it's been a while since I've seen the movie, but this sort of like um, you know really uh, important strike that happened back in the 80s, and sort of uh, you know a lot of the early scenes have you know this. These miners be kind of homophobic towards the 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 activists, and they're kind of in this sort of the tension between the main characters is like, well, how much do we need to help these people who have shunned us, who have caused this violence, who mm. um, have really inflicted some pain, and this idea that like, well, you know, we have the opportunity to help them, and we should kind of be the bigger person to support them and kind of bring them over to our side. So um, I thought about that a lot. This is sort of the conversations that like Ben Aldridge has, um, or a lot of the, the dialogue that he has about like, how much should we really care about this world that has ostracized us? Um, right, right. I read this really amazing article by Jason Adams about Knock the Cabin and how it's about queer trauma and this idea of like, you know, um, when you're kind of you're being faced with this homophobic world and like what's our duty in saving it, you know? And mm. 
there are some points where I'm like, yeah, maybe it might be just best for this little family to like live alone and just be at peace um, and not have to deal with, you know, being beat up in bars or not able to kiss each other at an orphanage when your family is growing. So, right. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of an, you know, out there poll, but I just thought of this. I think Pride to me is the best example of a film about this idea of like, what is our duty as queer people to support the world around us? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen it, but, um, you know, to that as a puzzle piece, like, you know, there's probably not enough movies that deal with that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> so, I mean, even though this one is, you know, a, a, a violent, although all the violence appears off screen, which is kind of yeah. interesting in yeah. a way, but, you know, a violent, like, end of the world kind of uh, crazy genre picture, like, you know, at least it's trying to, you know, have that conversation in a in a you know interesting way in a movie that's going to be seen by a lot of people so uh, yeah. i think i think that's a good thing so um yeah interesting piece there i like that um i will go with jeff nichols take shelter for my mm, yeah uh, that's next... on my list too nice nice that's such a good movie michael shannon as this guy who is just so sure that something awful is coming and you know there's that you know, feeling of uncertainty of like, you know, is he nuts? Is he not? And, uh, you know, of course, much like with Noah, much like with this movie, you know, the, the person is, you know, basically right come the end. And, you know, again, we enjoy, we all enjoyed this movie. Like everybody loved Take Shelter when it came out and nobody, you know, uh, you know, accused it of being pro conspiracy theorist nut jobs or anything like that. So why, 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 uh, why now? But um, it, you know, it's just such a great movie, and the way that it builds that tension, you know, that's something that uh, Shyamalan's always been so great at, and he does here too. Like every step of the way, you really have no idea, you know, if any of it is going to be true, even as the signs that it you know, is true are happening. They all have that little shred of doubt behind them, whether it be the, the news footage being pre-recorded or, you know, various other reasons to, to doubt any of it. And he's just able to really keep that going the whole time that, that sense of uh, uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, um, yeah, I like that connection a lot. Um, and I also feel that, um, like uh take shelter really has this like kind of gray downcast look if i remember correctly it's been quite a while since i've seen it but i just remember like it feels very cloudy like the sky <laughs> in the film yeah. a lot and i felt like this movie also had that towards like the end and just sort of this yeah like this like really sense of like doom and dread um yeah. and also just like people just not believing you when you're saying yeah. the world is ending like i mean it's like the classic you know the classic uh mother goose story i think you know yeah, like sure <laughs> you know it's like people don't believe you but then it's also very easy to get everyone all hysterical and paranoid so that's yeah. a really good connection i i wish to watch that movie again i really liked it i need to rewatch it too and you know now that i think about it i i hadn't really thought about this but um you know we were just talking about like with that pride uh puzzle piece if I remember correctly, like the people in the town that Michael Shannon lives in are all like real assholes to him. So yeah, like, I yeah. think I think I mean, that question of like whether they're worth saving is definitely yeah. a part of it. So yeah, doesn't there. he like lose his like health insurance like right when he needs to, like when, right when so. he needs it? If I, I remember that being a really like uh, important plot point. Um, yeah. So again, there's yeah. just like you know this like system that is really against helping people. Is yeah. this even worth, is this like a society that needs to be, you know, saved? 
Absolutely. What do you got for your next piece? Um, I really thought about like Roland Emmerich's, you know, disaster movies like 2012 sure. and The Day After Tomorrow and all those. Um, because like those have a lot of the images that we kind of saw in the um, the news pieces. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the tsunamis and the planes and like hurricanes and all that. So I, I thought of that just like as I mean, I know the like, so I think 2012 is that like a apocalypse related. I don't remember. I think so. They, I saw I saw it opening weekend and never went back. So. 2012, yeah. I, it's kind of this idea of like Mother Nature just like you know taking her revenge out on us and just causing all this havoc and the yeah. world ending and and just like the panic and. They don't really spend a lot of time on that in Knock of the Cabin. Like, you don't really see people, like, dealing with that in real life in terms of, like, you know, it's not like we're following a family and, like, they're, like, you know, we only see it through the news. Um, You're right. But I, it did make me wonder about, uh, you know, like, what's going on on the ground level. Yeah, and like, absolutely. what kind of panic is going on during all this. Yeah, and, and I think that that... Uh... That continues with Moonfall last year, and yeah, right. uh, it, which was another movie that like dealt with like you know our current obsession with the news and all the awful things on it, and like as the the moon is falling to Earth <laughs> in that ridiculous movie, um, you know everybody's just kind of like going nuts and all the different you know major cities and all the bad things happening out there, and so you know it's another movie that kind of unfolds partially on the news in all of yeah. the reports and everything, and so like that you know it, it definitely. I think plays with our, uh, you know, obsession with the news and uh, with seeing these kind of things unfold that way. And so, it, you know, there's there's plenty of connections to, I think, those Roland Emmerich kind of disaster movies. Yeah, so and, you know, definitely... Moonfall is interesting because I feel like Moonfall is like the less artful version of this movie because I feel like um, in Moonfall, like that one scientist guy who's the one that like believes in, oh God, what was that annoying phrase they kept saying? Megastructure? <laughs> yeah, something so. like that and like he's yeah. like this like online chat room incel scientist guy and he gets sure. proved right and like um i feel like when people complain about this movie like proving like i saw some reviews saying this is like a q not like a this movie supports q and not and like you know conspiracy right. theories and stuff and i'm like no no moonfall did that this movie is very <laughs> different from that like i feel like 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 the fact that there's four people met on a chat room was um uh, I think that was revealed much later in the movie. Like that wasn't part of the like hook of the movie or anything. Like, right? Because um, I guess I spent a lot of the time wondering, like, how do these people meet? You know? Yeah. Um, and because uh, I feel like that plays into the ambiguity of this the situation. Yeah. About like, is this some shared delusion or is this actually happening? Yeah, and I I actually like liked that a lot about yeah. how they all met and like you know the the what could be just a big coincidence, but to them feels so like feels real, set in yeah. the stars and real, like, you know, that yeah, they would all yeah. meet on the beach or whatever and walks a straight line. And like, that's, that's just great storytelling. It's not uh, a yeah. confirmation of QAnon being real or right. anything like that. So, uh, but yeah, no, that's great. If I remember correctly, I think that guy in, uh, in Moonfall is also a big Elon Musk fan. So yeah, uh, yeah, ay, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Um, <laughs> I'll go to my next puzzle piece though. Uh, and this is my, my last of the, uh, crazy person who we don't know if he's, uh, telling the truth or not. Um, I'm going 10 Cloverfield lane. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. With, that's a good one. Uh, just such a great movie. And also 
uh, you know, a set in one location for 90% of the movie kind of movie as well. Um, you know, just the idea of this guy who, you know, we know he's nuts, but how nuts is he? Is he right that the world is ending and that there's this invasion going on out there? Um, but he is right about that, but also he's crazy and he's a murderer. Like we, we, we really have that just ambiguity of the characters and, uh, you know, Dave Batista as the, uh, you know, the main guy of this foursome that uh, has come to the cabin to request this, uh, this uh, sacrifice, you know, he's kind of this monster of a guy. And, uh, yeah. you know, John Goodman being kind of that character in 10 yeah, Cloverfield yeah. Lane, um, they're, they're both just such huge, great presences and great performances. So uh, I think there's a lot of parallels that could be drawn there. I, I think what's interesting is like John Goodman, like, you know, I of course know him from Roseanne and Monsters Inc. Like those are like I know he's I mean, he's done a lot of great movies, you know, like Big Lebowski, but like when I see him I think of, you know, Roseanne and, and Monsters Inc. just because like that's my childhood and stuff. Sure. And so to see him play so menacing in that movie was really shocking. And I yeah. feel like Dave Batista, you know, he's so big, but he's such a soft presence too. Sure. Like, He's very like um if he seems just in real life he seems like the kind of guy that like is gonna be really sweet and genuine with you um and so like I like how both those actors kind of play the different parts of their personalities and personas um, yeah in, in 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 these respective movies absolutely well uh, what do you got for your next piece um I was having I was hoping that I would be able to think of this but like there's something that was really um, uh, compelling about Leonard and he like not being able, he's like feeling really sad about like, what he has to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's, I feel like there's a serial killer movie about like a serial killer or some kind of criminal who's like, I have to do this and I'm really sad that I have to do it. And I was like, it's not Silence of the Lambs. I don't, I was like, is it Zodiac? I don't, and it, it can't come to me, but like, um, I was hoping you might be able to recall that because uh, you hmm. have such vast knowledge, but <laughs> I just like I I can't quite put my put my finger on like that kind of movie, but like I feel like that's like a, a thing that I've seen before in like movies about people who have to do like evil things. There's like right. the concept of like I so I'm like it's tragic that I have to do this to you or that to put you in this situation but I have to do it because of such and such reason. Right. Right. I, I have a, I have one that might fit. It's a little bit yeah. uh, out there, but, um, adaptation, my, mm. my favorite movie when, when Chris Cooper yeah. is in the swamp and he's like, I'm sorry, mister, that I got to do this. And he's pointing the gun at him and, and yeah, of course, yeah. gets eaten by a crocodile, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. you, you know, Batista gets, you know, killed too. So in, in the process of having to do this thing. So, uh, yeah. you know, it kind of fits that, that yeah, uh, yeah. kind of thing. So I like that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that is, that is a more thing. of like a general thematic one than a specific piece, but. I was like, yeah. I, I was hoping it would come to me before we recorded this, but it's been a week and I still can't yeah. recall this. I feel like I see it in my mind. I just can't picture the title. I just can't remember the title. Yeah, sure. No, that, that makes sense, though, because that, that is a thing that we've seen before. So it, yeah. it's it's definitely a thematic thing that we, we see in other movies. But, um, you know, 
we, we kind of talked a little of other Shyamalan on here, but I want to bring up old as a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we already talked about like, you know, that both of these see him, uh, adapting other people's works. So, I mean, we've got that, uh, you know, versus just being a completely original, uh, story, but to me more so the thing that I like so much about old and that I like so much about this, both of these movies feel like homages to their own genres in a way yeah. where, whereas like old is it, 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 it's lovingly recreating everything about supernatural thr- thrillers, like kind of stopping just before spoof territory in a way right, at times, right. you know, and I feel like this is doing the same thing with both, uh, you know, spiritual based thrillers and home invasion thrillers, um, where, where it's like, it's playing in that world and it's really just having a lot of fun in that world with like some really interesting setups and like, you know, let's try some stuff. Let, let's take this and try some stuff and, and play with what you, what you already know from all the movies you've seen before in this genre, but, uh, really just have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, um, I definitely agree with that. And I also feel like, um, I mentioned this on my own like podcast review of the movie, but, um, I feel like old is like a good companion to this movie because like, old feels like a March 2020, April 2020 lockdown movie where we're all just feeling like we're in one place and the world is passing us by. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, kind of like we all woke up and it's like, oh, it's 2022 already. <laughs> like, and then I feel like Knock of the Cabin is sort of like um, the continuation of our like pandemic life where we're like going out and about, you know, we're going to diners, we're going to cabins, you know, people are like, um, but we're all just so like, desensitized by all the like right. you know um chaos going on in the news you know we mentioned that like the news is such a big part of this movie um and it's like ben aldridge again is able to like you know he questions the veracity of what's happening because he's like hey we've seen pandemics we've seen plane crashes we've seen this and that happening fires and all that and tsunamis yeah. you know um so i definitely like it feels like this is like a COVID movie in a very different kind of way um, yeah. than old was. I feel like that's a good, I feel like they're definitely companion pieces, especially now that it's, we're like on the other side of Shyamalan's unbreakable trilogy and like where he's sure. going to go from here without those movies hanging over him. It's yeah. Kind of, it's going to be interesting. I like that point. And like, yeah, like Ben, Ben Aldridge's character, he's like, He's just kind of had enough with everything with, with, yeah. with these crazies in his cabin and with the world outside and just everything else. And I, you're right. Like that's kind of where we're all at with, you know, <laughs> once, once, you know, COVID quote unquote ended, which it sure as shit has not, but, um, yeah. you know, we're all just back out in the world now. So yeah. it definitely feels like we're all kind of in those shoes a little bit. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. Um, I have one more puzzle piece. Do you uh, have any more pieces? Um, well, going back to Jordan Peele, I just like um, the in in uh, in Nope, sort of the the scene where you know all those people are in, you know, they're getting like sucked up by Jean Jacket, and you hear them like screaming, and like you can hear them screaming from the ground. So I thought of that because of the like the uh, airplanes crashing. You could like Shyamalan has them like has you hear them screaming as the plane's going down. It's just 
but you know that was such a visceral moment for me in nope because it really scared me oh yeah <laughs> and freaked me Absolutely. out and so i i thought of that with um with, with uh, knock at the cabin as well just like a more yeah. like you know filmmaking puzzle piece than a thematic one yeah no that 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 works because yeah like the there is some real like we we talked about it you know in in connection with like the Roland Emmerich films which is like the polar opposite uh, as far as how it's portrayed like just the big giant like ten minute sequences of of destruction whereas here it's just like uh, you know these little news clippings and uh, but yeah the the way that it's put together it's all horrifying still and so yeah, yeah the the way that they did those sequences in Nope uh, you know a lot of great sound design and uh, just like kind of working on really a relatively smallish budget but um really effectively putting it together um yeah there's yeah. there's some great visual stuff happening there and so yeah that it's uh it's really well put together that way so so yeah i like that and uh again you know there's so many connections that could be made i feel like between Shyamalan and uh, yeah yeah i i so. feel like jordan peele is a Shyamalan guy and yeah, i'm sure at night is a jordan peele guy definitely definitely well, uh, my last piece, um, just a kind of combined Coen Brothers puzzle piece. Um, mm. In general, really, Coen Brothers. But I'll, I'll put in a serious man because of these good people just trying to have a nice life, getting screwed with for political right. reasons. Uh, yeah. Also, No Country for Old Men with, uh, you know, this kind of, you know, this person who shows up and just causes all this havoc. And they're just, they're so... Uh, enjoyable to watch even though they're so horrifying and you know it's kind of split between the four of these people but mainly Batista um, you know as, as this character who just shows up and also like the world is getting worse and worse and th these four people are kind of emblematic of all, all that like like we talked about the QAnon stuff the religious fanaticism stuff like uh, the the conspiracy theory stuff like all of that kind of rolled into one as just this world but you know, to the overall Coen Brothers theme, I, I do, you know, again, I'm talking about like how Shyamalan's having fun in this world. I do think these four guys, well, uh, uh, two guys, two girls, but I, I do think that they are kind of dumb-ish, you know? And, and I feel like the Coen Brothers, their characters can sometimes have like a real like goofy goofiness to them you know yeah, and, yeah. and they're clearly laughing at them in the background and and i feel like Shyamalan is too and that's another reason why like when we come back to the criticism criticisms this movie has had i just don't get how you can read it that way because i i do think Shyamalan is kind of looking down at these four people and i i think he he's not judging them necessarily but he he sees how ridiculous they are and yeah it turned out to be right but they're just along for the ride in a way and they 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 want off as much as possible but they they can't get off because they don't want the world to end and they just know that it's all real you know i i thought a lot about coen brothers characters how they don't quite understand what these situations are that they've gotten themselves into but they're they're stuck in them and we get to watch them fall in, in the process I, yeah i definitely um can agree with that and i i think uh one of the recurring themes in almost all of his movies is the strength of the family unit which is why i'm kind of like we're always in the perspective of the people who um of ben aldridge jonathan groff and Kristen quia as their daughter um and um i i feel that uh it's really it's 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 their movie and i think like dave patista i think you know he's top billing and he's a central force of the movie but i agree with you on that like i feel like 
there's a version of this movie that's like maybe like 10% more comedic and more ridiculous. I mean, I think this movie's pretty serious. Um, yeah. And uh, just like, I don't think it's as like goofy as like old can be, you know? I mean, I love sure. old, but I feel like old is playing at a higher decibel than this movie is. Yeah. Um, and uh, definitely, you know, to me, it's like the distance between like Unbreakable and Split, you know, because I think Unbreakable is a very still somber movie and Split is very chaotic and all over the place. Um, That's a great comparison. Yeah. So absolutely. I think that, um, so I, I feel like he's really like believes in this family unit. And so, by contrast, the four horsemen people are like, yeah, I mean, they, they sound ridiculous because yeah. like, how do you even go to someone's house and be like, hey, by the way, kill one of yourselves. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the, fa- the fact that they had to make their own weapon and they, yeah. they made these like Dungeons and Dragons weapons, right, like right. It, I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder if I watch, when I watch this movie again, if I'll find it a little goofier than I did the mm-hmm. first time. Because like the first time I'm just kind of like in the zone of this like, poor couple that has to like deal with this impossible because obviously they're not going to kill their daughter i mean she's too cute because i'm like dealing with this impossible situation um but actually i did have one more piece i just thought of um okay just sort of this ending of like um kind of like the love of this family is kind of what allows jonathan gross character to sacrifice himself um i that just kind of reminded me like interstellar it's sort of like the power of love and um you know kind of like love bringing you know bringing matthew kind of his character back to back to earth in a sense so just like um i don't know just like love as this like abstract but very powerful force concept that's like very real and physical um that's i just thought of that just now and talking about the family unit um sure but yeah, that's my last one. I swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that that that's a good one to throw in there, though, for sure. I mean, it it it's also uh, a movie that deals with like you know these just majorly fantastical elements, but really, when it comes down to it, it's just it's that family unit, like yeah, you said. Right. So yeah, yeah, so that's that's at the heart of it. So um, yeah, great. That that's that's a great list of puzzle pieces. Let's read them down here. We uh, talked about us, Noah, mother. Pride, Take Shelter, a bunch of Roland Emmerich disaster movies, 10 Cloverfield Lane, killers or characters who are sad that they have to do what they have to do. I brought up adaptation as a possibility for that. If anybody has Mm -hmm. a better uh, example, send it in. Um, Also, Old, Nope, Coen Brothers, and Interstellar. Um, Yeah, I I think it's a really interesting list. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of, uh, you know, people who may or may not be crazy but it kind of goes into other uh, <laughs> other directions as well um are there any closing thoughts anything that we didn't quite get into while going through puzzle pieces here i just i mean i i found this movie to be really moving and emotional um and uh, i really i don't know i just like i have a lot of respect for Edmund Shaman as a filmmaker as a business person as you know a husband and father to be honest um so I'm just like glad that he's like doing this stuff um, and he's working with, you know, the money that he puts into his own movies and he gets, you know, this is an M. Night Shyamalan product through and through, um, yeah. whether you like it or not, but you got to respect the commitment to his own vision, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it is vision for sure. I mean, yeah. that, that was going to be my, uh, my closing thought. Like, you know, I talk about, you know, him finding these stories to play in. I mean, 
you know, visually, some of the stuff that he does is so interesting. And, and like, you know, nobody else really plays like that. Like, some of these shots starting the film off with these extreme close-ups of all the characters oh is, God, like, this... something... It's it's so good. It, it's crazy. It's like, come on, do more of that stuff. I, I, I love you, M. Night, for doing stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love an extreme close-up. You know, like, Jonathan Demme, Scorsese, Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys... I think Jordan Peele as well. Like, they just, like have this immense power in in their close-ups and i think tell do a lot of storytelling just by that yeah absolutely well i think that does it for knock at the cabin manish is there another film you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners um well speaking of scorsese i've been watching a lot of his documentaries and short films that are on hbo max and just like going back through the catalog see like what i've missed um so i I recommend those like italian american um you know what what's a girl like you doing in a place like this um that those are like the two ones that i saw the big shave i think is incredible um and i also watched the color of money which is on amazon prime Hmm. for the first time and like on paper that movie is like whatever sports movie like who cares i don't like sports but like i was like almost in tears because the filmmaking is just so beautiful like there's just like the way his camera moves his editing the like the music that he has and just like oh god it's like I don't, it sounds so stupid to say because he's Scorsese, but like he's so good at what he does. I watched Casino again, and I'm like, this movie's just like, who's doing it like him? No one, you know? Right. Like, That's how I feel every time I watch something from him. I'm just, I'm just like, of course. I'm like you constantly know? like, are we, it's like, he's so, he's so praised that I'm like, it's almost underrated because like, he just... I don't know. I just like it's speechless. So <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely like I've been having a Scorsese moment. Color of Money would be like the one that I'm like, go check it out because it feels like random. I forget that he made it, but I was like, oh, I should watch this. And it's like mind blowing, honestly. <laughs> awesome. I haven't seen any of those shorts, actually. So I yeah, should... they're really good. And it's like, you know, he had the vision from the beginning. I mean, much like the Fablemans with Spielberg. It's like he got he knew what he was doing from the start, you know? Yeah crazy that's awesome great recommendation there well uh tell people where they can find you and your podcast uh you can find me on twitter at vertigay 314 that's v-e-r-t-i-g-a-y 314 also yes i host a podcast called it pod to be you which is about romance movies um, which you can find on any podcast platform right now we are in the midst of a bad romance miniseries talking about movies like Rosemary's Baby, Jackie Brown, um, Atonement, Get Out as well. Um, speaking of Jordan Peele, um, this week is the fourth year anniversary of the podcast. So we're talking about Mulholland Drive. Um, so nice. that's going to be coming out on Valentine's Day or, or that Valentine's Day week. So look out for that. Um, or this is after that. Go back and, and download that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, yeah, it had to be you. It's a fun show david you were on it talking about um the apartment but over the summer during our 1960s miniseries and that was a wonderful episode so check that out as well absolutely well this was great and uh as always i'd love to have you back again sometime yes thank you i'd love to be back i'm josh bell and i'm jason harrison we co-host a podcast called awesome movie year each season we take a look back at an awesome year for movies which is every year we deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films we go over the biggest hits the biggest flops the best picture and some personal picks some cult classics 
Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Knock at the Cabin. Thanks to Manish for joining me on that one, and thank you to you for listening. If you like what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed, of course. Also, maybe drop a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening. Really appreciate those, and it uh, helps something. We, we don't know, but, uh, you know, we're supposed to ask, so... Drop a five-star rating. We appreciate it. Uh, you could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Don't forget about the live show on February 23rd. More information is in the show notes and on our website, PiecingPod.com, where you can win tickets right now. So go check that out. Also, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. Check it out. So as we always do with these episodes, I close with a piece of my music. And let's see, what are we going to play today? You know, I'm going to play a song. I might have played this a long time ago. I don't remember. But this is a song from one of my free bonus albums that's exclusively on my band camp. Uh, the song is called Home. And, uh, yeah, it seems like a good fit for a little home invasion thriller, like Knock at the Cabin. Why not? Let's play Home. This is from a free album called Like Ashes that's exclusively available on my band camp, davidrosen.bandcamp.com. So if you like this song... You can go get the rest of this album for free and maybe check out some of my other albums while you're at it. So hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.